This podcast is not meant to be professional advice of any kind. It's meant to be informative and entertaining. If you make any changes to your life, see the appropriate professional before you do so. Welcome to Super Age. My name is David Stewart. I am the founder of Ageist and your host on the Super Age show. We talk about how to live healthier, how to live longer, and how to be happier. And who doesn't want that? Today's show is brought to you by Inside Tracker, the dashboard to your inner health. Go to insidetracker.com/ageist, save 20% on all their products. Today's show is also brought to you by Element. L-M-N-T. My favorite electrolyte mix. It's what I put in my water in the morning, and it's what I put in my water at the gym. Go to drinkelement.com slash ageist and receive a free eight-serving sample pack with any purchase. Today's show is also brought to you by Timeline Nutrition with their breakthrough product, MitoPure, the first clinically tested urolithin A supplement, which is showing tremendous results for mitochondrial health. Go to TimelineNutrition.com slash Ageist, use the code Ageist at checkout, and save 10% off your first order of MitoPure. Welcome to episode 140 of the Super Age Show. It is great to have you with us. This will be dropping on June the 28th, 2023. It is a lovely summer day here in Utah, and we're headed up to Jackson Hole, Wyoming for a few days for a vacation, and we're going to do an animal safari. I've done an animal safari in Africa. I have no idea what an animal safari in Wyoming is going to look like, but I'll let you know in a week. Probably one of the most beautiful places on earth is Jackson, Wyoming in the summer. You know, it's between Grand Teton National Park and Yellowstone. It's just magnificent up there. So I'm really excited about that. This week on the show, we've got Jeff Bayers. Jeff is such an interesting guy. Jeff was a collegiate athlete and he went to business school and then he was in the NFL. He played as an offensive lineman in the NFL and then he went off to have a career in finance and he started a company called Momentous Supplements. Um, So we're going to have Jeff on the show and the reason we're going to have Jeff on the show is because as an offensive lineman in the NFL, your heads get hit a lot. And you develop a lot of knowledge and interest around brain health, about how to deal with various sorts of brain injury, and how applicable that is to long-term brain health. And I think there's something also really interesting that we're going to talk about is this intersection of athletic excellence. Like, how do you perform as an athlete at that level over a long period of time with how to live better, longer. This idea of purposefulness. And I think this is something that we see in pretty much every high-performing athlete. And it's the same sort of purposefulness that you see in people who are living well at, you know, at the age that we are today. So we're going to get with Jeff Bayers in just a moment after a quick word from our sponsors. The first sponsor of today's show is Timeline Nutrition with their breakthrough product, MitoPure. We all know how important mitochondrial energy is, and especially maintaining muscle and strength as we age. Urolithin A, which is found in MitoPure, has been clinically proven to increase muscle strength and endurance with no other changes in lifestyle. Urolithin A is essentially upgrading your body's cellular power grid, giving your body the energy it needs to optimize. 
I've been using MitoPure for a few months now, and what I can tell you is there is a noticeable change in the way my muscles re-energize after I use them. What that means is, say I'm involved in some intense activity in the gym or maybe some sporting activity. Normally, the next time I did it, my I would be you know kind of tired. I, I would be sort of gassed out. That doesn't seem to happen with this. Um, and all I can imagine is because my mitochondrial grid has essentially been upgraded. It's not just my muscles that are getting upgraded. It's all the other cells in my body because they're all powered by mitochondria. Go to TimelineNutrition.com slash Ageist. Use the code Ageist at checkout and save 10% off your first order of MitoPure. Today's show is also brought to you by Element, spelled L-M-N-T, my favorite electrolyte mix. One of the great findings that I learned last year was the importance of electrolytes in my water, especially sodium. Of course, if you have hypertension or you're pre-hypertensive, this is something you want to pay attention to. But for most of us, we're probably lacking electrolytes. And my favorite one is Element. And guess what? They just launched grapefruit. Um, So I'm actually drinking a Element grapefruit right now. Um, And it's awesome. Go to drinkelement.com dot com slice ages get a free eight serving sample pack that's d-r-i-n-k-l-m-n-t dot com slash ageist and get a free eight serving sample pack with your next purchase just after my conversation with jeff stay tuned we're going to do that part of the show called just try this where we give you just a little fortune cookie for something that may help you live a little happier a little longer and a little better so let's give jeff a call right now Hey, Jeff, how are you doing today? Hey, David. Good, man. Awesome. I'm just curious, Jeff, how much do you weigh now? Every time I see you, you seem really large. (laughs) I'm large, but I feel very small uh, compared to what I used to weigh. And like, this is a good segue. Like, you know, I'm probably like 235 um, and I fluctuate between like 225 and 240, depending upon time of year. And like, am I an endurance athlete or a strength athlete at that time? But like, I feel very small um, as a 240 pounder at times because uh, I used to be 305 pounds. Um, oh so, yeah. Wow. When you were in the NFL, what, what position did you play? I was an offensive lineman. So I was Lost like three, 305. Yeah. Yeah. That's the 305. And I was a small, a very small. Offensive linemen were like every week, you know, the coaching staff was like, Jeff, gain some weight. And you're like, I'm like, I can't gain any more weight. Can't oh do God. it. It's not possible. Um, so yeah, it's been a really cool journey. And like, I don't, I was a really hard gainer. Like, you know, like, like it just wasn't in my DNA. Like I'm, I'm a big dude. I'm six, four and like, I'm pretty muscular, but I'm also in really good shape, but I'm just like, like when I retired, it was just like weight just plummeted. Um, you know, I lost uh, you know, 60 pounds in like a three-month span. Wow. Uh, you know, and like I like I went down to like 225. And now like, but that was just like, you know, for me, at like 220, 225, I feel like I have an, a, a disorder because I'm like, I'm so skinny. Oh my God. Um, I have a lot of lean mass still. My frame just doesn't carry 220 is like real really really too lean for me maybe not but uh if it is lean well we gotta talk sometime we gotta talk about your refrigerator oh back in the day i was a nine <laughs> to ten thousand calorie a day oh human to maintain my weight right which is an incredible like, eating becomes work at that point and you know my wife jokes with me like she's like you don't even remember 
what it was like. I was like, sure I do. And she's like, you used to eat a whole pizza for dinner by yourself, plus everything else. I was like, did I, was that real? Like, you know, and it's like, yeah. Uh, and then I go back to like, oh man, like, I mean, I drank like three muscle milks and like, oh, it was just like, however you could get calories, you took them because my biggest fear was like, man, if I got on the scale and I was late, I got my ass chewed and I was like, I never want to do that. So in the NFL, there's a really wonky policy where if you're overweight, you get fined. Um, for every pound overweight and underweight, you actually, they, they're not allowed to find you for being too small, but it is like the kiss of death. If you're not making weight as a lineman, there's just this old stigma, like old time. Like if you're not 305, you can't play. It's like coach, I was 304. It's, it's a rounding error. I mean, that's just the old schoolism of, of NFL when I played. I can't even get my mind around eating 9,000 calories. It's a lot. It's a lot of calories. It's that's a lot. It's just food. a lot of chewing, man. Jesus. So I got this great jawline now, though. Oh, right. Good mandible for luck. Yeah. <laughs> right. In the NFL, talk to me a little bit about you guys have a game every week. What's the recovery process week to week? What do you do? Really interesting. As uh, as you gr- grow in levels as an athlete, it's uh, it's really like you know, I think about high school. To college and I so I played at Southern Cal, won a national championship. We were really good, right? When went to the NFL, like I practiced a, uh, a lot early in my career. I mean, I, I had a short career, but I ended up playing a lot my third and fourth year and started a good handful of games. And as a backup, and you're not playing, you don't really get it, right? Because you practice, and then like Saturday, Sunday is pretty light. Game day, like when you're actively in game weeks playing <clears throat> as a lineman. Monday morning, you know, it's just like, how do I get to like feeling 50% at 50% of capacity by Wednesday, right? You wake up Monday. I mean, you don't really sleep on the the night after a game. Like you sleep, but you don't sleep, right? Like you are just in repetitive car crashes um, with other human beings, full man wrestling all the time. And so you don't really sleep, right? You obviously like have concussive events or subconcussive events. Um, and so Monday you feel like garbage, like pure garbage. Tuesday, you wish you felt like Monday because Tuesday is the worst day. Like you give you give 48 hours and you do everything in your power to just like, I can make it to practice tomorrow. Right. Like what do I have to do? And then Wednesday you feel like crap. It's a big day, big practice day, but not terrible. Like you get out and you have like your hacks and then Thursday, you're feeling good. Friday, you're feeling much better. Saturday, you're like, oh, I can actually play a game again. And then you got a game. But really, right. It's uh, it's really interesting. Everybody has a little bit of a different approach. But for me, I was uh, I had a lot of really serious injuries in college, young, uh, young injuries. And I really learned how to take care of myself very differently than most people and, and became very ritualistic in how I thought about recovery, both cognitive and physical. Um, it really led me to what I'm super passionate and what I do now is like what I found in sports is you're able to surround yourself with practitioners that are great at everything from strength and conditioning to nutrition to sports medicine, to athletic training, to recovery, to connective tissue health, all of these things. And they're there to leverage. Uh, And then you have access to the best products in the world, right? Through technologies that might work, might not work, but aren't going to do any harm. And then you just get all your bases covered. And then 
You also have access to this really unique set of experts, like the thought leaders in the space that are pushing the limits, but it's all kind of curated for you if you want it to be. And so you find this routine and you can leverage these people as much as you can. What I found when I left is there's like a kind of a black hole. There was, it's actually getting a lot better with people like you who's democratizing performance for us normal folk now um, to bear. But, but for me, it was bone-crushing consistency on my routine is what was important, right? It was bone-crushing consistency in my nutrition, uh, on how I thought about eating and supplementation. It was bone-crushing consistency around my connective tissue, soft tissue health, around training, what I did and why I did it, where I pushed myself, right? And also sleep, right? I joke like, I was doing sleep before sleep was cool. And there was like a small group of us in the NFL, right, that were talking about sleep. I also was very diligent, not a drinker, not who I am, or, or not a heavy drinker, I should say, like very a beer or two a, a couple times a month at, at tops. Like I'm less now, but that was like plain, um, but prioritize sleep. And so like I had a very diligent routine and was always trying to find what hacks work for me. And so I had a very built out, personalized to me, like the guy sitting next to me did something very different than me. And the other side did very something very different, but it was all routine and bone crushing consistency. That was important. Like first guy in, right. I had my own warm up routine. I read the wall street journal every single day in the cold tub, in the hot tub. Right. And looking back of like, why did I do that? I don't know. Like, but probably good for cognitive function. And I always always did 30 minutes of very low impact cardio after practice. And it was like something my dad broke into me. I don't know why. Like I, I love endurance. I've always done it, but it's like, ah, I got to do something like this is good for you. Didn't know why, but I think that played a very important role. And I invested a ton with the strength and conditioning staff to be like, how do I modify and work around my goals and my ailments in my life? Because again, Everybody's a little different. You got to find out what is your limiting factor. And then you got a bone crushing consistency to fix that because just one day, like, like, so I had two hip surgeries, two back surgeries in college, like really serious hip surgery. And it really changed my movement patterns and how I can train and how I can work out. I would be very consistent on what I could do, what I couldn't do and the rationale why behind it. And if I did something outside of kind of my routine, I knew what I had to do to make sure that I didn't pay the price um, post that. And so, yeah, it was, it'd been a, that was an interesting journey, like lots of cold therapy, lots of hot tubs, lots of what I call like the executive warm up before the warm up, which is like, man, Wednesday, it's like, I just got to get in the hot tub for like 20 minutes before practice, just so I can actually like walk to practice. Right. And I was a relatively young dude. Like there were you know, 37 year olds playing that have like 15 years on and their bone crushing consistency and routine and what they do is insane. Right. Like they just have it so dialed, um, in a pretty meaningful way. I, I love this idea of consistency. And I, um, you know, Bill, Bill Bowerman, the, um, co-founder of Nike. Right. And yeah. he had, there, there was like a Bowerman saying, if you have a body, you're an athlete. And oftentimes what I tell, people who are sort of normal mortals like me, I say like, you get up in the morning, you look at yourself in the mirror and you say, I am an athlete and then behave the rest of the day as, as an athlete would. And so how does an athlete eat? How do they sleep? How do they move? Like all of these things 
to think of it in those terms that you like for you, this was like you had to dial in. It was your job. This was your survival to do this. But I, I think that that's really useful for all of us. It's about having like everything you do when you're an athlete, right? Really elite or any elite performer, right? Like I think executives are the same way. Everything you do has a purpose and a reason, right? And if it doesn't relate back to what you are really trying to accomplish, it's noise. And therefore you exit out of it, right? That doesn't mean you don't have a family, all those things, but it's like, we bed by night. It's a non-negotiable. And you just make those choices. And it's like, well, when do I eat? When do I choose to consume? You know, what am I going to choose to do on a Tuesday um, during the season? And what am I choosing to do in the off season? It's conscious decisions and knowing why. It's no chance or luck. Um, it's like, make conscious decisions. And you can make a conscious decision to like, hey, I'm going to do something that might not help me tomorrow, but I know that. And I'm making this for different reasons. Maybe it's like, I need some joy in my life or I want to go experience something else. And that those are really good. Like air quote cheat days. Those are probably more important than training days, right? Because we all need balance and like rest and change of scenery across our lives. I think this word purposeful is really, if you want to age well, you have to be purposeful. It's just, you just can't like wing it. And, it, and it's like you said, you, you want to leave space to like, Purposeful recreation, purposeful joy, purposeful hanging out with your family, but you just yeah. can't wing it, right? Because that might work when you're 19, but it doesn't work at this age. It doesn't. It does not. But also to be great as you age is bone crushing consistency. Yeah, pretty much. You can't, you can't start at 80 and be like, I want to be better, right? <laughs> I mean, right. right? Like as we think about it and the data is like, what we do in our 20s is going to impact what happens in our 80s, right? Mm -hmm. We know that. It's never too late to start all that shit, but we know it's bone-crushing consistency. How you sleep, nutrition, that doesn't mean every day has to be perfect and every day, like, you can have crap days, you can, you know, go out with your college buddies and put one on once in a while, like those things don't kill you, but it's like, stay committed to the cause and it doesn't happen overnight. And a lot of things, you don't see any results from until you're at that finish line. And it's like, probably these last five years could have been a lot worse. It's also really hard to measure, but what you do is you have to follow the experts, be willing to adapt and change, right? What does the research say? And then take some chances. Cold therapy is awesome. It doesn't have, it has really good research, but not great research. Like what's the longitudinal study of using cold therapy? Like, oh, you can hypothesize like, oh, let's look at these people who've done a lot of great cold therapy. And then, okay, then you look at diets. Like, oh, well, people that don't eat as much red meat or heavily red meat throughout their lives tend to live a little bit longer. Like that's super interesting. Is there, there's like a meta-analysis on it, but like, there's not like, a clinical trial where we've studied a thousand people and just like, what gram of calorie, what gram of protein did you eat every single day? But it's like, yeah, we know that that, that helps. Um, so anyways, I, it's as we age is incredibly important. And I think what's so also as we age, there's going to be some unlucky ones, you know, that you're going to, we're going to catch cancer too late, or we're going to have heart disease, or we're going to get in an accident. But a lot of things right now, are very curable. If you catch it early, the challenge is our brains are not meant to live or, or won't be able to keep up 
with everything else, right? Like our brains, dementia, Alzheimer's, that's what's going to get us. Like we know how to take care of our bodies now. Like orthopedic surgery and joint replacement is amazing, right? And you like, like we think about early detection of all these diseases that have killed people for the last centuries. Like those are going down. Like not that many people are smoking cigarettes and doing a lot of these cancer causing activities. And some of us will get unlucky, but hopefully we catch things early because most of the time, if you catch it early enough, you can get lucky. There could be unlucky ones. Like it's always how life works, right? And it might be me. It might not be when you play the cards you're dealt as always. And sometimes you get dealt a really shitty hand, but um, yeah, I mean, it's to me, this is the last frontier and what makes it so exciting about what we're learning. And some of the people I've been lucky to work with in my career that are really great neuroscientists and um, really leaders thinking about this space. It's just, you know, I'm a lot like you, David, like I'm, I'm a, I'm not an expert, but I get to ask a lot of questions and learn a lot and be like, okay, what's the future look like? You know, I, I, you remember David 10 years ago, like sleep was nothing but the the in the last decade sleep has become like you want to do better at anything in life it's sleep like it's the it's the the like neuroscience i was listening to this neuroscientist out of europe somewhere at, at, at this really cool event that i was at and he's like the unlock in the last decade for brain health is sleep mm-hmm. he's like we have no idea none of this shit works unless you're sleeping i don't yeah I don't care about your cold therapy and your sauna and your supplements and whatever. If you're not sleeping, <laughs> yeah, it's not going to work. Huberman, Huberman says it best. He's like, you want to change somebody's life? Make them sleep a little bit better. 10 more minutes. You'll change their life. All right. Well, maybe it all starts there, um, which is really cool. You know, I want to get to, I'm going to get to brain health. We're going to, we're going to talk a yeah. lot about that. I think this idea that as an athlete, you, you sort of have two time periods you're thinking about the, the week to week. And then the sort of longer year to year career span versus like, oh my God, I got a game in six days. As sort of a regular person, the, the upside for doing a lot of the things that we're talking about is not tremendous. You can perform sl- somewhat better, but what you're doing is you're limiting the downside, which is hard for people. Like we're not really wired to be like, oh, well, I'll be able to do this, whatever, much better in five or six years because I've been doing this consistently for the last 15. It's hard to it think might, that way. It might not even be, I can do this better. It's just, I won't do this thing worse. I won't do this thing. Exactly. Exactly. Right. Like, and yeah. that's really hard. Like we are a culture of instant gratification, right? And it's almost impossible to get that. And it's like that as an athlete, that an athlete mindset is Bone crushing consistency. One good workout doesn't mean shit. One good practice doesn't. It's, it is how do you continue to do it, right? You want to get faster? It's going to take a long time to get faster. You want to get stronger as an athlete? It's going to, you want to get better footwork as an offensive lineman? One good practice rep at it doesn't. You got to do it over and over and over again. I will say the one thing that I've learned that is so different from right the athlete mindset is as an athlete, you're willing to sacrifice a lot to be great. And you make decisions that are not good for you in the long term to be really great at something. And I think that's the biggest shift I've seen and realized like being an offensive lineman is not good for long-term cognitive health. Stop. (laughs) Very, very bad. Right. Right. Being 305 pounds is not good. But for that period of time, it was what I chose to do. And I knew 
Like nobody's saying it's great for you as a human. So you make short-term, you make a lot of sacrifices to have short-term performance in the grand scheme of life. Um, and I think that's the biggest shift outside of an athlete mindset that you have to make is you can't look at it from a week or a decade. You have to look at it from a life. The same principles apply that we've been talking about. Bone crushing consistency is what makes great athletes great and keeps them great, right? And it's like this why, purposeful why. Um, and, and knowing what it is, cause that why will drive you, um, in a pretty meaningful way. That's right. Let's talk about brains, offensive linemen. You're getting traumatic brain impact. We'll say that with some regularity. Yeah. Talk to me about that. Yeah. It's really the area I've become most passionate about David. It is something that's really under talked about realistically. And we are just beginning to learn about it. And so a big reason why I actually stepped away from football was traumatic brain injury and what we were learning about it. Traumatic brain injury has a lot of different classifications and like there's grade one, grade two, grade three, all these things, right? But also there's this thing called the subconcussive event, right? And a subconcussive event is like not a, a, a traumatic brain injury like a concussion, right? It's the repetitive hit that you have. So as an offensive lineman, my job was to hit my head every play. I literally hit my head every single play because that's what happens. It gets jarred, et cetera. But it's just minor, sh minor shaking. And you think about the correlation to that to somebody in the Department of Defense is real, like real, real. And so basically, I was uh, I was talking to somebody yesterday on TBI, another company doing really cool stuff, and actually a, a really top researcher in the space called Tommy Wood out of University of Washington. Uh, he's been on some podcasts. He was just on Atia on uh, on long-term brain health, cognitive function. Uh, really quite fascinating human. Um, anyways, that a tackle is the same as shooting a 50 caliber rifle. And when you think about that, it's quite fascinating that subconcussive event from the shockwave of shooting a large caliber rifle and an NFL tackle is relatively the same for the brain. Um, and you think about what we're asking 18 to 20 year olds that don't get paid shit to do and the amount of subconcussive impacts they have. And so anyways, I go back to like, there's this whole thing of like, you know, you have, you have all these different types of brain injury. Um, and I go back to my career and I had a lot of subconcussive events and I was really involved in uh, the department of defense in the USO when I was playing. It was one of my big givebacks uh, that I was super passionate about. And I got to know a retired general and he was kind of leading the charge on tbi and he, he's actually made a uh, done a really incredible job and we were sitting down at this award ceremony where he was like the guest of honor for the work he was doing and he talked to me about subconcussive events and i had no idea right like, you know like i everybody talks about traumatic brain injury like the guy that gets knocked out or the girl that gets knocked out uh, nobody's talking about these little concussive events and he said, what we're finding is those are actually way more dangerous and have way bigger impact long term. He's like, because from a big concussive event, you're, you are sat and your brain heals. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, well, listen to how I think about football. And this is so this is between my third and fourth year. And I said, this is how I go in the season, right? About by week eight, right? I had, I, I said, I read the Wall Street Journal. I'd be reading the Wall Street Journal and I'd start to have bad kind of recall, not great recall, but not 
terrible, right? And be like, ah, you know, and so I used to call it, and I still do it, I call it dulling of the mind, right? And by like week 12, I'll read three pages and have zero recall, right? In the Wall Street Journal, right? And then it's just like, so like, I would just have this cognitive decline in terms of recall, memory, et cetera. And then after the season, my brain got super sharp again, right? And it would just be this wave. And I experienced that all the way back into college. So I got my undergrad and MBA. And I remember in grad school, like you, I, like literally my performance, right? And it wasn't time spent studying or the season. It's like, oh, the season's super hard. My performance in school in the second half of the first semester was off, right? And that's the second half of the football season. And I had to work three times as hard to maintain because I didn't have the recall, the memory retention. And that's the, and he was like, dude, that is exactly what we're talking about. That is the subconcussive events, right? Your brain never heals because every day you just go back out there and you do it. And it's just like, you just tick, tick, tick. And so, but honestly, what they're finding is a lot of the things, a lot of the treatments and other like really easy things that you can do relate to long-term cognitive health, dementia, Alzheimer's, from nutrition, supplements, sleep, right? All tracking very, very similarly, which is quite fascinating. Um, but also TBI is incredibly prevalent outside of, outside of elite sports. Car crashes, ski accidents, right? Bike accidents, like youth sports, etc. Like it is a way of our life and we're never going to get rid of it. Um, and so really to understand and how do we evolve and think about prophylactically, how do we make sure our brain is best set up to win if we do have a traumatic brain injury or subconcussive event? And then what do we do post? What do we just do great for long-term? So it's an area I've been super passionate about. We we as a business actually got to go talk on, on uh, Capitol Hill to Congress about traumatic brain injury and nutrition and supplementation and other things that are going. And But I've seen it affect a lot of my friends. Uh, Luke Keekley is one of my close buddies. And uh, if you follow f- football, like Luke had, Luke was an all-pro linebacker and he had like three very scary, big traumatic brain injuries. Um, and it, he walked away from the game. Right, walked away for probably like fifteen million dollars a year, um, because it wasn't it, like the risk was no longer worth the reward for him. Uh, and not everybody does that, but Luke Luke is a great great advocate for the space as well. But but long term brain cognitive health is really fascinating. What we're finding there's so many little things, right? Like again, like I I I get to be around smart people like you, David. Like I'm not a doctor, not a scientist, not a PhD, uh, but I'm really passionate about this space. And, and uh, you know, it's like, what are the little things? And every time I talk to, you know, one of these experts, whether it's Huberman or, you know, whomever, Tommy Wood, it's what should I be doing? I'm, I, or like, what should I tell Luke to do? Or what should I tell my other buddy to do? Um, and I got three little boys, like, TBI is a thing. Like, my, we live in Park City with you, David. My boys take it way too fast in the trees. TBI is going to happen. It's hap- happened in my family, very serious one. It's like one of those things like, well, yeah, is that great for long-term health, having that risk? But life is worth living too. Like being able to do those things is incredibly important because it's part of your purpose and why and gets you up in the morning. Um, but it's also a calculated risk that we're all taking, right? And that's okay. Like we all, living in a bubble is actually terrible. Right. And doing nothing fun that gets our adrenaline spiking and those hormones and all that stuff. So, yeah, cognitive health is really incredible. And when you think about the research that's out there and, you know, my favorite one, I had no idea about this. Right. Creatine monohydrate. Mm -hmm. 
What do, you, what do you think of when you think of creatine monohydrate? Or, you know, what, what would you think of five, 10 years ago, David, when you thought about creatine monohydrate? Something very different than I think now. I take it yeah. every morning and it's not because yeah. it's not for lifting weight. Yeah, right. For me, it took probably really four or five years ago. I thought creatine monohydrate is like bulk athlete builder strength training molecule. And then I got smart. And that creatine is actually one of the most critical fuels for your brain. And the amount of research on creatine and long-term brain, brain health, and as it has a prophylactic to right minimize impact of TBI, like neuroprotective and long-term is insane, mm. is insane, right? Like 10,000 plus clinical studies on creatine. It's one of the most well-studied substances on the planet. And it's just starting to be talked about, about creatine for long-term brain health. They have creatine studies in dementia and Alzheimer's patients. And the data is fascinating. They have it in football players. And what it has been able to do from uh, from that perspective is, is really fast. But people aren't talking about it. And it still has this terrible stigma that creatine kills people, right? Like we, we, we are lucky as a business to do a lot of work with the U.S. Special Forces and other parts of the DOD. And... You know, we're talking to these performance dietitians and performance staffs, and they're like, we can't convince command to let us use creatine. They're like, oh, back in 92, I had this this young guy who died because he was taking creatine. And it's like, that's BS. He died because he was like, you overworked him. He probably had like 15 energy drinks, right? Hmm. And like, it had nothing to do with the creatine. But creatine is in like, was in a lot of pre-workouts. It's in a lot of bad things you could be you know um and right it just got this terrible rep uh rap but creatine is also critical for muscle growth right like it is a main fuel source in our body um and uh yeah anyways creatine for long-term common health is like one of those things that like when you talk to people it blows their minds they're like they it blew my mind when I had the first conversation around it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, you know, D- Dr. Mike Roizen is the one who got me taking creatine. Um, he's the head of wellness at the Cleveland Clinic, and yep. we, we we were talking, and he's. I said, "Well, uh, help me out here, Mike. Why?" And he said, "It's like a backup battery for all your cells, so your brain, your immune system, everything. And yes, yeah. it will allow you to do." 10 reps rather than nine because it's giving this sort of like extra battery function, but it works for all your cells like that. So yeah, yeah. I take, you know, four or five um, grams every morning. And I, 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 and I have the same reaction. I tell people like, you should do this. It's really cheap. It's easy. And they just look at me like, what are you, what you know, like, are you a bodybuilder? <laughs> it's like, no, that's not really the deal. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's literally called like, it's, so inexpensive. And I think the other really important thing about creatine and creatine monohydrate, like that's the gold standard. But creatine monohydrate is creatine monohydrate, literally. Like you can go across and there's not a ton of differentiation in creatine monohydrate on the market, right? Like as long as you're buying something that's certified, banned substance free, and it's just creatine monohydrate, it tastes like nothing. It literally tastes like nothing, right? And like price points are pretty low. Some are more expensive than others, but like Creatine monohydrate, if it's just creatine monohydrate, it's probably coming from the same place. There's like three people like coming from this place, like three people that manufacture it. Like, and it's cheap, like cheap, cheap. Like, I mean, I'm trying to think like 30, 40 cents a day, like in in that sense of like, yeah, like (laughs) really inexpensive. Um, And therefore, like 
the amount of research behind it, and it is across all the experts I work with, it's like the number one thing outside of omega-3s that say they say every human on this planet should take low-dose creatine, high-dose omega-3. And it's like, that's from neuroscience to, you know, uh, VP of performance at said NFL team, right? Like it, it is insane. The consistency of those are the two most impactful things that you can do as a human from like a dietary supplement, because you aren't going to get enough. You can eat protein from other places and you can get carbohydrates and you can get all these other, but omega-3s and creatine, we are not going to consume enough in our diet. And those are two very important things to, uh, to supplement in your diet. Uh, anyway, it's just quite fascinating to me. Um, that that's the way. And it's so cheap. In the grand scheme, it's like, whatever, like 35 bucks every 90 days or 40 bucks every 90 days. It's like, ooh, that's not that much money. That's like 160 bucks a year to extend. That's a pretty good investment, right? Considering all the other dumb shit we do as humans. <laughs> uh, uh, omegas. So we had an Israeli scientist on a couple of weeks ago who was really, he has a facility in Iceland and he's, getting omega-3s from algae and the only input is um, he's pulling carbon dioxide out of the air and the algae is just growing. Tell me about like this idea of omega's long-term brain health is associated with TBIs or, you know, these, these sort of momentary shocks to the brain. How, how helpful is that? Why do we need to do this? So DHA is incredible and really incredible for brain function, really, really important. So, but what they found is, so there's two main things in omega-3s, EPA and DHA, right? And really high doses of both have been found to be very, very beneficial. And also like a one-to-one-ish ratio um, is really important when we talk about the stress on the body and the strain as well, like how we process. So there's some really interesting research around that, like really high doses of DHA is actually um, much better for the brain, but it's harder on the body. And so like a one-to-one -one ratio, it needs to just be close, but we're not talking about a gram, right? We're not talking about gram and a half. Like really these experts are saying like two grams, Whoa. three grams total, right? A lot. That's a lot. Uh, a lot of omega-3 um, on here. And like you listen to like Rhonda Patrick is really big on this. And like, she really talks about high doses of omega-3 um, in here and, and the purpose that they have. And so, right, omega-3 is really critical, DHA and EPA and brain function, right? DHA is critical in brain development, right? In young kids, uh, like one of those really important uh, nutritional factors that we don't think a lot about, but really important in brain development and brain function um, on there. And so like, Algae is a great source. We're still trying to figure out a non, like, uh, a, like a non-animal based format. Like it's it, it's coming because omega threes are typically found in fish, and the challenge with most omega threes and what what uh, you know my the best line I've heard is not all all omega threes are created equal. Actually, very few are created equal um, because there's. Like a lot of people think they're taking really high quality omega threes, and then you look and it's like you know three hundred milligrams of DHA and two hundred milligrams of EPA, but it's a gram and a half of fish oil. What's but in it's there? Not that. What's in there, right? <laughs> right? Whereas, like you know, there are some really high quality brands out there that create right, like that. It's a hundred percent EPA and DHA, right? And that's all it is. So there's no filler, but also like where it comes from is incredibly important. So like. Main source is fish, right? Sustainability is an issue, to be frank. Heavy metals are a huge issue, huge issue in it. And it's not something that people talk about. Like the type of fish that you get omega-3s from, 
is like heavy metals are a real thing. And uh, there are some great, anyways, great companies out there, right? That have sustainably sustainable fisheries that they're pulling it from. And they're pulling it from the right type of fish, right? That have low doses of heavy metals, which is really important in this um, as we think through it. So just little things that I had no idea about that I've learned in here. It's like, uh, you know, even like my dad, and he's like, I've been taking omega-3s from Costco for 28 years or whatever. And you look at it and it's like, it's better than nothing. Let's be frank. But it's not close to gold standard. Um, and he was like, well, it has like a gram and a half. Like, like that seems pretty good. And it's like, yeah, but it only has really three milligrams of what you need. And the challenge is that's the gap. Right. And what we know from research is it's high doses of of omega-3, DHA, and EPA um, that are really, really critical. And you know, when you we get to work with a lot of NFL teams um, or NHL teams and post-traumatic brain injury, they put these players on huge doses of omega-3s from a neuroprotection and recovery perspective. Huge doses. It blows my mind what they do. I'm not going to talk about like how much. Uh, I don't want to get people in trouble, but like, or have uh, give other people ideas but it's it's really quite incredible the amount of doses like they load these people up um pretty heavily and and that's a pharmaceutical product from what i understand they're giving them they're not giving them pharmaceuticals like they're giving them dietary supplements like like, yeah Um, because uh, so what's super interesting is they do there's pharmaceutical grade omega-3s some of them but they're actually not like there are there, I would say there are about six companies in the dietary supplement space that make incredibly high quality omega threes, right? That are probably higher quality or higher doses than some of these. I mean, they're just giving them like, like, not not a little two pill. They're giving them a handful of pills. It's like take all of these, right? Like half a bottle type things, like crazy okay. uh, amounts, right? Because like it doesn't matter. Like if you want X grams, two grams is a lot. Uh, and if you're doing a mega dose, so, um, it's really quite interesting. Like there are prescription and they're, they're really good, um, et cetera. Uh, but it's like, you know, the DOD faces this challenge. You can prescribe omega threes, but the ones that they're able to prescribe actually aren't as high of quality as the omega threes that you can buy on Amazon. I'm proud that there are a, a good handful of very high quality omega three businesses out there in the world. Right, because you have choices. It gives consumers choices. Yeah, um, absolutely. I take uh, fistfuls of that stuff yeah. every morning. Yeah. <laughs> good, good. Keep doing it. Creatine and omegas. It's literally the number one thing that everybody we talk to says, hey, square down the field, like fairway. Not doing you any harm. Has real potential upsides. Long-term consistency is key here, Right. Everything else is on the fringes after that. What, what else are you seeing where, you know, you mentioned, I, I, I love this idea of like you reading the Wall Street Journal to um, keep up your cognitive health while you're in the ice bath. Wasn't, I wasn't <laughs> doing it for that reason. But well, it, it actually helped. Right. Like looking back, it was very important. Well, you know, you see things, they, you know, they tell people, uh, you know, there's sort of like cognitive based brain games to do yep. um, things like that. I did that for a little bit, but then I, I took up ski racing and I thought, well, that requires a lot of like 
cognitive ability. <laughs> Again, like it's more fun. <laughs> it is right. Like I mean, even they say like, just drive home a different way. Right. Right. Like, don't use Google Maps. Right. Like, right. Create new, fire new neuron pathways. Challenge yourself to think. Right. Like, like, like a neural game is awesome. Right. Not going to do any harm. Right. Probably do benefit, but there's probably higher um, things for humanity. Like, not for, for your like human psyche than sitting on a tablet. Like, the one thing we all don't need is more screen time. Right. You and I can attest to that sitting here on a screen. Like, it is not what we need as human beings. Um, and who knows what all this long-term screen exposure is actually going to do to our long-term health. Don't know. My guess is it's not positive. Um, and, uh, at least like, it's definitely not positive. Hopefully it's neutral on that. So I don't know, like, I think there's some really clever ways that you can do things like ski racing, like challenging you to make really quick decisions make them fast, right? And continue to challenge to push yourself. Like there's just so many really interesting things that you can do that have such higher social impact, but also just like personal development. And using your body. Like the main thing your brain does is control your body, (laughs) right? So exercise, brain-derived, you know, neural growth factor. Like this is all, uh, you know, I think exercise and movement, even things like, like dancing or playing a musical instrument, any of this sort of stuff that requires your body to move in a novel movement pattern, you're going to learn all that. That's all going to get programmed into your head. It is. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Sitting around talking on Zoom probably doesn't create a bunch of new neural pathways. Doesn't who you're talking to, but yeah, exactly. Yeah, it might depend. I have a treadmill desk, which I feel like might <clears throat> create some neural pathways. Like, in the morning, when I'm trying to be on my walking test, right, eat some breakfast while being on my first Zoom call of the day, I'm like, I'm struggling. Don't fall. You know, my brain is working. <laughs> but most of the time, it's not. I really, I really believe in what you said. Like, there are great ways that we can train the brain, and there's some great tools out there. But also, nothing beats just being present in life and pushing yourself. I, I've been doing a, a physical therapy because I have like some instability in my in my hips, and they make me do this thing where they they put me on a squishy pad barefoot, and I stand on one leg and they toss me a ball. So I I swear to God, after like two or three minutes, this Jeff, what hurts is my head. The center of my head hurts because my brain is like trying to make these new neural connections about you know all this balance stuff that's going on, and I. I think that's great. Not that my head hurts, but you know, learning new stuff. They're hundred percent. Right. Like, I mean, I've done so so many of those things. Like, like like, that was like rehab one-on-one, which is takes me back. But you know, it's just like uh, Kelly Sarrett talks a lot about like, here are some really easy tests that you can do. And if you can do them, it's like, like you're in the upper quartile living long, right? Like one of them is stand on one leg and put your shoes on and take your shoes off. Right. The other thing is like, sit on the ground, like, sit on the ground and get back up, right? Without any help, right? Like right. those simple things. And But the, what that has to do with is not necessarily physical strength. It has to do with, right? Do you have the neural pathways? And like balance and aging is actually, I mean, I'm sure you've talked about this. I don't know much about it. I know enough to like sound super smart. Like balance and aging actually is a very tightly, right? Connected thing, 
right? Like it is a real thing. And what you're talking about is like, like your head hurts because your neurons are firing so fast to like actually react to your muscle. And that has to do with brain health, right? Like brains die because our neural pathways die, right? Like, how do you do that? I mean, it's quite fascinating, you know, some of those things. Anyways, I like, it's an area like, Kelly Sorrett talks a lot about like the, like the kind of the two tests that every human can do. And it's like, if you can do these things, like your chances of living long and go up, like, well, I don't need a, 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 a meaningful amount. Random stat, 50% of women in England cannot get out of a chair without pushing their hands on the arm of the chair. That's not good. Yeah. Uh, I almost dropped the F-bomb. But that is scary. Yeah. Right? Like, think about how our society has devolved in some of this. I mean, it's so weird. Like, we we live in the people who listen to this podcast, right? We live in such a bubble. And then you go get in an airport. And you're like, oh, my gosh. This is what society looks like? I Like, my mind blows every time. Most of the people listening to this, I'm guessing, are like, live in this really interesting bubble, right? Like, and we prioritize certain things or we're on this really incredible journey, like this mindset-based journey. Um, but then you get out and you see that. And it's like 50% of women in England can't get out of a chair without using hands. You're like, wow. Like, yeah. how, we, we, have, we are not evolving. Like that is a backwards, backwards, backwards step in, in society. And it's scary to think about the generation that's coming as well. Uh, because they are very different than your generation and my generation of what they're being exposed to and things like that. Like, I mean, cell phones got like cell phones, like were a thing at 18 years old in my, like I didn't grow up with a cell phone. Like, I mean, 18, like I went to college and I had like a flip phone. Right. And like, that was my first phone. That was a big deal. But like kids now grow up, like have screen time, right. Way more screen time. Right. Like there was like, you know, in your generation, like there wasn't really like computers or video games. Like you went out and learned skills and had a different set of mental mental toughness and demands, right? Um, which is really quite fascinating. I mean, it's like it's the DOD is a great example. Literally, they they have a recruitment problem in the Department of Defense, but the real problem is there's not enough people that can actually serve. There's not enough people that are physically capable to serve this country anymore, right? And I was talking, like, talking to this really old, crusty, uh, you know, like, anyways, 23-year enlisted Marine, um, senior, very senior Marine. He's like, you know what we have as a society? We have not, a, not enough time outside as a kid syndrome. And I was like, that's super interesting. It's probably true, right? Like, kids don't go outside. Therefore, they don't. Like they don't have the ability to do any of the basic skills required to be uh, active military personnel. And he's like, it is a national security risk. And, you know, like whichever side you face, I don't care if that's like, if you can't literally serve in the military because like most of our population is unfit to serve, that is a scary thing to think about long-term in our work. Yeah. Agree. Um, you know, I'm not even too we don't have the answers. We don't <laughs> yeah. have the answers. All we get to do, and people who listen to this podcast, is we get to go home to our family dinners and we get to spread the gospel. Right. right? The gospel yeah. of 
of living healthy and that health is wealth and it's a currency and you invest in it and you know it's an asset class it's an asset class and and this is what i tell people they they spend a lot of people my age they're like really focused on like you know how much is their house worth or like their stock portfolio or stuff like that and it's like it's like dude that's one of like six asset classes you need to look at and don't over index on that this other yeah. thing is your body <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that is an asset. If you let it decline, all those zeros they don't matter. <laughs> Literally, zero. So, they they turn to nothing. They right? turn to nothing. Somebody else gets them, and the government right. takes half. Right. You know, so right. good luck. Um, better milk batch. Right, it, it is so true. But that's what I think is so interesting. Is like we are actually having a fundamental shift in how people think. Right, and. You're on the on the tip of the point spear, right? Leading the charge, right? Saying, here's what the experts are saying and bringing that to bear. You're democratizing high performance. You're democratizing performance and longevity to people who are really interested. And then it's our job of all of these passionate followers to then go spread the word to our fringes. And then hopefully they convert to this goodness. And then they get to convert the next wave and then the next wave. And hopefully we can create real meaningful change. You know, it's a quite fascinating time we live in, and we aren't going to solve the issues, but we get to be part of the solution. So, and part of the solution is sharing the knowledge, democratizing this amazing thing that we have, uh, which is access to knowledge. Absolutely, Jeff. This has been a pleasure. I could I, I could talk to you forever about this stuff. Um, I'm I'm so happy I got to meet you physically. You're like two X of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. Uh I feel that some days we uh we ran the Utah Olympic Park stairs. So for those of you like uh, in Park City, there's the ski jump, the Utah ski jump for uh, and it's at Utah Olympic Park, and there's uh stairs that run up the uh K120 or K180, whatever it's called, 150. It's the largest ski jump, regulation ski jump in the world. Like they're all over the world, but there's stairs that run up it, and it's just stairs. Stairs, 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 stairs. We do it once a week in the summer. And I am clearly the largest one in that group. And it just kills me, like wipes me out. And I did it with, I do it with 30 pound rucksack too, which because oh, dude, I, of course you because, do. Of course you, can you suffer, do. Right. We, uh, so I, I love to suffer. It's one of the things like my <laughs> little, little, like you do too. Like, so don't laugh at me, uh, you know, but like it's, it's amazing. Like, and it's just so good. And it's like, you know, it's not even type two fun. It's like type three fun. You're like, it was fun. And it's like, yeah, it wasn't really that fun. It's fun looking back on it. Right. But it is like during the moment when you're like, oh man, I'm giving myself self-induced uh, exercise-induced asthma. I'm tasting metal, you know, like, oh man. Um, but then you're like, get to the top and you do it a couple, do it a couple of times and you're with, you know, people you love. And it's like sun rises. You're like, this is what we live for right on then jeff it's such a pleasure i'm i'm really glad that we got to know each other likewise looking forward to the future and we'll stay in touch yeah take care man see ya bye i'm still trying to get my mind around what it's like to eat nine thousand calories a day (laughs) it's amazing to me (laughs) i remember seeing a picture of what Michael Phelps ate during his uh, Olympic time period. I think he was eating like 8,000 calories a day. And it was just a tremendous amount of food. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff's a wonderful guy and really great that we know him. We're going to get with Just Try This in just a moment after a quick word from our sponsor. 
This show is also brought to you by Inside Tracker. Inside Tracker is the dashboard to your inner health. You know, we talk about this a lot about metrics, what matters, biomarkers. The thing is, you can't take actions on things that you don't know about, and what you don't know about can hurt you. I use Inside Tracker, I take their ultimate test four times a year. I look at their biomarkers, I see what's moving from quarter to quarter, so I can see if I've made changes in my program and my diet, is there something that I need to adjust? And their food first, supplement second recommendations are great. I always share the results with my doctor, and if there's something we need to go over, we do that. Get a dashboard to your inner health. Go to insidetracker.com slash ageist, save 20% on all their products. This week on Just Try This, you know, thinking about our conversation with Jeff, try some sort of physical movement that you have not done before. And, you know, I mentioned in the show, standing on one foot on a squishy pad, you know, getting a ball tossed to you. You don't have to do that. But try something else that may be sort of challenging to you. Maybe one of the things that I like to do is try and stand on one foot and then look to the right, look to the left with your head, look up look down and try and hold your balance and do that a few times. It'll be harder than you think. And what you're going to be doing is you're going to be training a few new neural circuits in your brain, which will help your brain stay healthier longer. So just try this. Try a novel movement that you haven't done before. Maybe something hard, something challenging. And like me, maybe the inside of your brain will hurt a little bit, which means that, you know, you're exercising your brain. Just try this. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on the show today. If you like the show, please leave us a rating. We love ratings, um, and you can leave us up to a five-star one if you'd like. You can also leave us a comment. You can hit me up directly, david at superage.com. I answer all of my email directly and promptly. Everyone, have a wonderful week, and we're looking forward to getting back with you next week. Take care now.